0: Welcome listeners, episode 27 in the chamber, I'm your host Rush Shaw. You're listening to the Punk Theology Podcast, this would be season 3. Proud, elated, and astonished to introduce you to Steve the Boomer, Derek the Millennial, I would be your Gen X alum as we uh, take on the topic of scary men, this is episode needs no introduction punktheology.net however needs uh some love if you yeah you behind your headphone speakers earbuds could leave a review of this here podcast we'd fill to the brim with encouragement come make our cup yet overfloweth I don't know, that's kind of cool. So, kicking off the show, Derek is telling me about Umbrella Academy, and I had no idea because I'm a huge My Chemical Romance fan, and I've, I've heard some of their, like, I, uh, the guy's written books. I had no idea that he helped write Umbrella Academy.
1: Yeah, it was his baby. He wrote the comic.
0: Okay, right. He it's was like in, a graphic novel. He had the
1: graphic novel, and he was involved, at least in the, uh, the beginning, in translating it to... Her. To uh, the Netflix series, but wow. yeah, he he wrote all those kids, the seven kids in there. He wrote about himself basically. He's writing out different issues, right? And I always really connected with Luther, uh, who's the oldest. Who's you know he he's super strong. He gets his life threatened, and his dad basically uh, crossbreeds him with gorilla DNA, so his, he's just giant, like he's just right. super ripped. But he's but he takes his shirt off and he's horrific looking. He's like freak. He's got this. Yeah. yeah, he looks like a total freak. Um, and he wrote Luther to deal with his body dysmorphia issues that he deals with. Mm. Um, and I really connected with the character because Luther's got that firstborn child thing where he's trying to be the leader. Mm-hmm. He's not terribly good at it, um, and he's really dedicated to his father's mission. Like, he sticks... Like, when all the other kids have told their dad to fuck off, he's sacrificing right. everything right. Uh, to keep... And, and I can relate to that pretty strongly, because I, I think I stuck with the religion thing for a long time out of loyalty to my dad. Hmm. Of, like, like I'm just going to keep playing this out, because I'm waiting for the payoff. When it pays off like you say it's going to pay <laughs> Right. And, uh, yeah, I'm really into that. I really, so this episode I wanted to talk about, I, I think I want to call this episode uh, Scary Men, mm. because it's been something that I've really been wrestling with, probably for the last couple of months, but then it's just been ramping up more and more recently. Um, and it's fascinating because Luther deals with it a lot in mm. the series, of he's trapped in a really scary body. And people are just immediately afraid of him. It mm-hmm. uh, doesn't matter what he's doing, what he's saying, what the environment is like. He's just scary. Right. Um, and I've been doing a lot of deep diving into some of my childhood and upbringing. I'm um, really feeling a lot of weight over... My mother was terrified of me. Mm. She didn't know how to deal... I'm a pretty intense person. I have very intense emotions. As a child, I didn't have any regulation over that. Um, and she parented for most of her life out of a position of fear of me. Mm. Not fear for me, fear of me. Uh, and I physical was, fear? Yeah, emotional emotional and physical right. fear. Um, I think the combination of me having a male body and having such an intense emotional... Life and I was pretty fucking smart. Um,
0: right around your teen years?
1: No, I'm talking like from the age of three. Oh. No, uh, um, I have. I was just thinking the other day about a bunch of stories my mom tells about my childhood, and one of the common threads that came up over and over again was how s- frightened she was of me. It wasn't overt; she wouldn't say that. Right. But it was just that this theme of like, I thought you're, you know, I thought you're scary. Right. Um, couple that with the fact that my father is genuinely one of the scariest people I've ever met. And you know what? Cancel that. He's the most <laughs> scary person I've ever met. And number two was a pretty far distance. Mm. Um, in what he, way is your dad that when He was emotionally intense like me mm-hmm. but he was completely unregulated. Mm. So when things were good they were great. And then in half a second they went from great to complete outrage. Mm-hmm. And when he started getting amped up, there wasn't anything to be done right. to de-escalate. It just an and went and went and went and went, and, went and, built and, built and built and built. And you just had to run. Like, go to your room, mm-hmm. close the door, hope that he can calm down. Um, he used to leave the house for, especially when I was little, for weeks at a time. Him and my mom would have fights that would last four or five days, just screaming Mm -hmm. He'd pack his shit Go to a friend's house for a week Come home Have another two days Fight screaming at each other uh, Pack his shit Leave again Come home And the minute he came home Everything was fine again So Mm -hmm. we're not talking about it Everything's happy I'm great I figured some stuff out I'm in a really good place Let's just keep doing
0: life Right um, just take all that and stuff it down. Yeah,
1: and just. Well, he was—he worked his shit out, so he was fine. Yeah. Like, why would we talk about it? I'm fine.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so and and that, I mean, that fucked me up so bad. Mm-hmm. From the like, I saw this uh, this post the other day on uh, someone from my generation saying, "Are you actually empathetic, or did you just grow up in a household where?" The emotional temperature could change so quickly that you had to be able to pick up on people's micro-emotion changes very fast in order to keep yourself safe. Yeah. And that hit me hard, because that's exactly what my childhood was like. Where I was, every second, I was taking the temperature of the room. Mm -hmm. And the minute that I could feel that uh, start to change, it was gone. Run to my room. Yeah. Uh, go ahead in the basement, go for a walk, go play outside, something.
0: Yeah, me too.
1: Um, and, uh, and so that... And so I ended up in a spot where I'm just incredibly emotionally constipated. I have really deep emotions and it's incredibly difficult for me to find people that can stay in the room with me while I unpack that.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: especially Especially women.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Women are just instantly, before good reason. Like, I'm not, like, it's, it's not a, I'm blaming them or I'm mad at them. But, like, men are scary. They are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, like, I've even had these moments with my daughter where I'm wrestling with her. And she starts to ramp things up and I push back and she has this moment of, like, oh, shit. Like, if you wanted to break me right now, You absolutely could. The only thing that's keeping you from really hurting me and crushing me like a a bug is your willpower. And I have no control over that. And that's fucking scary. Uh, So if I get into a position with a woman where I start to unpack some of my emotional shit, uh, I can usually, I don't know, if I'm really close with them, I can maybe get to about 20%. Where I've amped it up to about 20%, and then they're done. Hmm. Um, and then I'm usually jumping in to rescue them because I've scared them so badly. Right. Um, and uh, and these are
0: relationships like with family members, people yeah, that you trust. Wife. The people that you would let in right. to that. Yeah, space. and most
1: yeah. people, it's 1%. Yeah. Right? And I, I find myself constantly pushing on people. Like I'll just throw something out there and watch how they respond, and watch their entire face. And like, how did that hit you? Because I, I've got something inside me that's just desperate to find someone that I can have a full emotional uh, moment with, where I could completely unpack. They sit there and accept it, embrace it, validate it, and then ask for more. All right. That's never going to happen. That's that's. The closest I've ever gotten is probably in here with you guys. Chuck's probably the closest I can get to that with. and an, With Chuck, I can get to about 50%. Mm. Where, where, where before I can tell, like, he's, he's about done. He can't take too much more. Mm. Uh, and I've just never had a clean release emotionally with anybody. Mm. Um, and it fucking sucks. Because I want that desperately. Yeah.
2: Um, Because we're trying to pack it or trying to keep it down like a beach ball underwater. Mm -hmm. It
1: feels like you're trying to breathe while only using 10% of your lung capacity. And you want to take a big, deep breath, but you can tell it'll hurt the people around you if you do. So you just don't. The other analogy I was thinking about was uh, there's this really interesting episode in the graphic novel Spider-Man. Uh, where Spider-Man, I believe it's the Green Goblin, Spider-Man and Peter Parker and the Green Goblin switch bodies. Um, And the Green Goblin, as Spider-Man, gets in a fight with someone and punches the guy in the jaw and takes his jaw off. And he realizes that Spider-Man's been pulling his punches for his entire career. Because Spider-Man is so strong that if he actually fought somebody with full strength, he'd kill them instantly. And that's the way I feel a lot emotionally, where I just have to pull my punches because if I ever actually unloaded on someone, um, the relationship would shatter mm. like it just would couldn't exist. they'd be so terrified uh, and so disturbed uh, so so I'm just constantly
0: that's interesting, so one of the things that i've I've been able to be in the midst of and unpack is is recovery groups because sometimes recovery groups look like that, right. like it's just people fucking especially the smaller the group. Sometimes the the bigger the the release. I remember I, I you know, I listened to a, it was a I don't know it was a podcast or an audio book and there's this woman and she was a uh, social worker kind of pre grad right. And she would volunteer in 12-step groups in New York City. In the basement of churches. And she would do, you know, like two groups a night. So the first group would come in at like 6, and then she would go till like, you know, 7 or 8. And then she'd do the second group at like 9, and then go from 9 till like midnight nine, nine, nine or something yeah. like that. She would do this like 3, 4 times a week. Yeah. And this woman was probably 95, 100 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. And uh, one of the professors, or the person who was interviewing her, asked, Aren't you scared? Right. <laughs> because people say you're really good at this. The math like, really should really good.
1: Even <laughs> from just a practical, pragmatic like exactly, yeah. Like, is it's your totally brain terrible. broken?
0: Because you you're should right. be terrified. Some Catholic fucking church, they just hand her the keys. Oh, yeah, you're doing good for the world. And, uh, but she said, Here's what she said, it just about floored me, it just about brought me to tears. She said at the time, um, she goes, she goes, no, she goes, and she, you know, you could even sense it in her voice. Like she kind of had joy in it. She goes, when I sit in those groups, I see a bunch of little boys Mm -hmm. and little girls and they're all, they're just kids. And this one's kind of sitting there like that. And this one's and she goes, yeah, there's the physical aspect of it. And you know, it's one of those it ain't killed me yet kind of things or something. Um, but the fact that she knows, kind of like that Spider-Man analogy, I like that. Like, she knows that Spider-Man's pulling punches, mm-hmm. right? Like, she, she knows the, the draw between the physical and the child inside who's throwing a tantrum and need, just needs to be loved and heard in that moment. I've said stuff. I've heard people say stuff. And pe- that's another thing about the groups, too, is you go into a recovery group, nothing leaves this room, you know? Mm-hmm. Nothing leaves this room. You walk in there and you just, you hang your ego at the door. That's another one that you're encouraged to do. Whatever you do in here, lawyer, doctor, you know, you take out the garbage, whatever you, fucking matters, dick, you hang it at the door. Um, so that was really helpful because I got a lot of shit, I think... In, in the steps, where all I didn't have a sponsor, I never got into that. Like having somebody, you know, like be your boss Keep or something. <laughs> tabs on you. I never called a sponsor. I always thought that stuff was weird, but because I had friends, and some of my friends were, yeah, they were fucked up too. But I trusted them. I had real trust issues, um, but yeah, I don't know if that's if there's a if there's a difference in that where. Where people, I think in people in in that setting, if the person, and not all recovery group leaders are very good, I'd say yeah. it's like an 80-20 rule. Right. I think 20% have any fucking yeah. chops to
1: them. Same with therapists in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: probably. And it's, they're really Same with doctors. <laughs> <laughs> doctors. <laughs> same with most professionals. <laughs> honestly. That's
1: the rule, <laughs> right?
0: 80, 80% of the people, or 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. Yeah. Well, statistically, what ten percent,
1: ten to twenty percent of those people got A's in school, <laughs> yeah, that's and right. the rest for
2: B's, C's,
0: D's, and some have street marks. Yep,
2: yeah,
1: and yeah. Yep. yeah. So, and yeah. yeah uh,
2: what that. do you think that's about good. this? Study? What do you think? That's you know, it's a lot of of me. Um, you know, I, I resonate. What Derek was saying resonates. Is I want to be known. Fully known, and to be heard and loved. Yeah. Um, and I know my I sounded I, I really uh, understood his dad. That's that's a lot of me and my anger. Growing up, everybody's afraid of me in the house. Yeah. Nobody. I remember my wife was telling me after we'd been married. I was taking a nap. We used to go to my mom and dad's every Sunday for. After church, we'd go there for lunch and we'd sit around and play cards or watch sports or whatever. And, and uh, I'd just get it good for a nap about one in the afternoon and somebody would say, well, somebody go to wake up Steve, it's time for dessert. And none of my family would go wake me up. Mm-hmm. And my wife goes, well, I'll wake him up. You're going to wake him up. Because I would just rage when I get woke up, woke up before I was ready. And that rage, I'm just realizing, is is pain that has never been heard. Yeah. And accepted and loved. I mean, and that's one of the things that uh, that customer of mine, in our uh, conversations, I get that feeling. And I think she's feeling that as well. She's feeling the. The release of being heard and the pain that she encountered endured through her first, through her marriage. Um, being a single mom now with two boys, uh, and the, the boys would come home from being with their dad, and, and they've got a detox for two or three days because they've been with their, with their dad for a week, mm. and uh, that's the danger: is when you find somebody that will listen to you. And you can throw all the crap out that you want out, and they just take it. Yeah. Now listen, yeah. oh, and I've had one guy, um, this was a, actually a vineyard pastor years ago, I could tell him anything. I mean, I've told people a lot of stuff, because I usually like to throw out the shock value first, mm-hmm. see if I'm going to invest in energy. See, in, see Yeah, see if Marks I'm going to invest in the energy. Because yeah. Yeah. if he if can't handle that, then we're done. I'm not, I mean, we're not done, but I'm not going to go any further with you. Uh, he was the first guy that empathized, and I could see it. A lot of people say they empathize. Oh, I'm so sorry, but he gets. I mean, he got him. And uh, even that relationship, you know, they moved away, and I, oh, fine, you know, just fuck it. You know, I get to, I feel somebody's safe. I can yeah. unpack, and then they leave. Yeah. And yeah. that's kind of the way I've always viewed. it. You know, and I am. There's a little. There's a little boy in me that just longs to be heard. And is emotions validated? Mm -hmm. No, I was never talked. I was never talked to. What are you feeling? Oh God, no. I have people. I've had
1: people that I can tell anything to, if I do it in the right way, and I'm very calm, and I keep my voice even, and I can tell them really horrible things as long as I don't raise my voice. Mm -hmm. But if any emotion creeps in, it's over. And so and. Uh, just because again like it's just too intense and it's too scary Mm -hmm. and I just want that so badly oh yeah and honestly I'm desperate to be able to do that with a woman
2: like I think I've
1: gotten so much shit from my mother that I really want to have a woman be able to take the full force of my emotions and then come back and ask for more, and that's the ultimate fantasy. Right. Yeah. Um, right. that, um, and I wouldn't
0: like a therapist or somebody who's no, like someone who's like a relationship,
1: like a real friend, friend like, not the like. prostitute friend, but the real friend. Right. <laughs> prostitute friend. <laughs> you're paying for it. Um, right. That doesn't feel right. Um, and even a therapist, like you know, there's there's so many boundaries and stuff to keep them safe, which yeah. is good, right? Mm-hmm. But again, this is—it's just a fantasy. Like I don't—I don't even know if it can happen. Hmm. uh, That there's a woman that would be able to, one, be that interested in me. Yep. uh, Two, be able to find a way to do it within the social boundaries that exist. Mm -hmm. um, And uh, and three could handle it. Could just take it and digest it and validate it. And accept it, and then come back and ask for more. Um, and if I feel like a f- fucking marathon runner training with a bunch of fat couch potatoes, because mm-hmm. the minute I start to break a sweat, they're done. Mm-hmm. And and just that moment of like, well, I guess this is this is good enough, I guess. But I'm not going to be challenged. I'm not going to. I'm not. Gonna, again, it comes down to that clean, sweet, full release. Mm -hmm. emotionally Uh, and it's just not
2: that takes it takes a ton of energy to keep that guy in check Mm -hmm. and and I that's me I'm mean, I. afraid of conflict because I don't want that guy to come back yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm terrified of my father's emotions coming out of me that's probably my number one fear Is those mo like I? It's happened before in my marriage and with my kids, where my dad steps forward and it wrecks me. I remember Mm -hmm. intimately all the details of those moments where it happened, Uh, and I, I will beat myself up for months. Right. Like what the fuck? How did you let your dad come out of you? Damn. But that's self-talk though. Yeah, but but he's there and he wants to be let out so bad mm. and again like the male body thing just fucking sucks that way yeah. like I say things to my kids and I watch them cower and I sit and think if their mother said that exact same thing with the exact same emotion they would have been completely fine in fact if their mother had said it with two or three times the force and two or three times the emotion they would have been fine because she's not threatening with her body All Right, and I am I have lean muscle mass. I've got a lot more weight on them. Uh, And the way it comes out of me is terrifying. And it's not one of those things where I can say, like, this is unfair and it needs to change. Because it's totally true. It just is. Like, my body is scary. And that's, that's a reality. There's nothing I can do to change that short of some extreme you know, hormonal, which, you know, I, I sometimes wonder if that ha- plays into some of the people that, that visit trans issues of, like, my body scares me. Mm. Um, I'm afraid of my own masculinity uh, because it reminds me so much of past trauma. And when I speak to people in a moat, I just watch them start throwing walls up in my panic. Mm. Uh, and that's a horrible feeling
0: going back to what I said about the the recovery group leader speaking of body language like just trying to you know and as your friend reading your body language it seemed a little bit like you know that the child analogy kind of had your eyes at the floor for a moment is, uh, that, was it, is there something in that? No, with the... With, what if that's part of that childlike part of your ego? That's just... Is it, I don't know if it's throwing a temper tantrum or, or what. When it hits a wall, is there a part of yourself that you fear thr- getting out of control once you get to that place Absolutely. of release?
1: Yes. I, so that's the other thing is I have so many internal checks... That if I ever got to the point with a woman where they could handle that, they would have to drag it out of me. Mm. Because I have so many internal checks that keep me from going there. Like, I don't think I, you know, I talked about hitting 50% with Chuck. I don't think I can get higher than that on my own without them walking me and teasing it out of me. And it would take months, maybe years. Um, and it couldn't be in a therapeutic setting; it would have to be a genuine friendship, because mm. the trust level would have to be that much higher. And again, like it's just that—like the more I look at it from my engineer, practical, do the math perspective, the more I think this is just a fantasy. Mm. It won't ever happen. And uh, and the tragedy of that's pretty deep.
0: Mm. What if you went to recovery groups and just? <laughs>
1: pretending to be an alcoholic. I don't know. Yeah, Just I mean, there is that Fight Club thing. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's a real thing. The Fight
0: Club analogy is, yeah. is real. Like, that guy went to those cell, groups. <laughs> sickle cell yeah, therapy. And, and because those people are trying to find a place to emote. Right, to have a release, a right. clean release. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it is a good place to do that. That's one of the things I really respect about Rob Bell is when Rob Bell started flirting with the idea of becoming a pastor, somebody told him, Go to recovery groups. You want to be a pastor? You want to lead people spiritually? Go to recovery groups. And just sit there. And if they ask you to speak, just say pass. And don't say anything. And do that for six months. And then just tell me you you want to be a pastor. Like that would be be a brutal test for a lot of people in clergy today. Like you want to face-to-face humanity with people just spilling their fucking soul out. That's how you do it. You, know, you want oh, to shoot an ought to on those fucking people and throw commandments at them and it, it's just not going to work. They already know all that shit. They know all the rules. They broke them and they chose to break them. Because they just, just can't. Because they just just, can't. Or they, or they don't want to. Or, or I mean, I think right. it's more than don't want to.
1: I think they <laughs> yeah. can't. Yeah, they can't. Yeah. They, yeah. Like, like, I, like I can't fucking breathe. Yeah. Like I can't breathe in this system. Yeah. I can't. I don't know what to do. So believe. I medicate. Yeah. 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 Right. So yeah, so I have to... Myself, or get myself stupid enough that I that I yeah. And I think you know back to your thing of. Yes, I'm afraid of that little child. Mm -hmm. Also, I deeply hate that little child Mm -hmm. so much. Mm -hmm. I hate. There's parts of my masculinity that I fucking abhor. Mm -hmm. I want to fucking kill it. I hate it so much because I feel like it holds me back so much, and the things that I really want. Uh, yeah, they're just in the way, mm. and I'm, and again, like I wish I could just give up on the fantasy sometimes, and I think that's what most men end up doing. Yeah, is that they just kill themselves uh, to the point where they they don't think about it anymore,
2: and, uh, and, then, and yeah, and unfortunately, then they quit feeling. Yeah, so then they and quit. Yeah, it pushes people
1: further away. Yes,
2: exactly. Then
0: yeah. 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 you just uh, 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 accustom yourself to the machine,
2: like we right. talked about in the last episode.
0: just what Part the of the danger. machine, man.
2: And I, I recognize this. The danger is that when you have an outlet, that you just are so hungry for that that you're drawn to it. Yeah, it's a it's a drowning man who gets
1: yeah. Who gets, somebody comes up to save him, and he he starts drowning them because right. he's so desperate. Mm-hmm. For yeah, and he'll do anything to yeah. I I struggle with my own hunger. It, my own hunger scares me, really. Like like even moments with Misha, where we start to connect, um, and I can see that she's struggling. Some part of me is just like just 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 dive in, go 100 percent, just mm-hmm. do it, and it'll fucking break her. Oh, yeah. And you'll be terrified And relationship will be done But at least you'll have Two seconds Where you got a full Clean release And mm-hmm. I don't And I've got so many checks Inside of me That keep yeah. me from doing that But there's
0: that voice That screams that Oh yeah But Just what would that look like? Like, like what, would you, what would that look like If you did I
1: have no fucking idea Russ <laughs> okay. I really wish I knew yeah. I That it's That's the fear right? The idea is so foreign to me That's That That uh, That yeah I, I don't it might be fine, but I'm so afraid of it, and I hate myself so much that that worst-case scenario is too scary. Mm. And and I can tell that the person I'm with doesn't want it. And it would feel like rape. Mm. It would feel like emotional rape. Yeah, like right. where I, where they don't want You're that. You're forcing it. Yeah, yourself. and I'm yeah. and I and I'm putting my emotional needs above theirs.
0: Uh, and
1: crossing boundaries and I you know I get the catch-22 is is that the only person I could ever do this with would be someone I'm incredibly close with and if I did that to someone I'm incredibly close with I'd shatter them and it's and I'd much rather breathe at 10% than not at all
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that's the intimacy factor right like pure intimacy is is sort of, you know, like everyone talks about intimacy and people write books about it. And, but getting to the place where you can really do that, you know, the total total acceptance. I don't know, like I said, you know, I'm I still a toss up on that. It's a fantasy. It's a fantasy uh-huh. for most especially people, especially for me. Yeah. I think. And people that do do it, they don't stay together very well. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's, yeah,
1: it just burns itself, it itself out. out. It's
0: yeah. like swingers, right? Like you go out and fuck other people, right? And then it just most of those relationships don't last because right. there's always somebody's got a bigger dick or something, right? Um,
1: yeah, it's it, there's yeah, and there there is something like there's a reason i married the woman I'm married. Yeah, because she's incredibly stable. Uh, and if I married someone with that same emotional weight, the chemistry would be red hot and we'd burn ourselves we'd yeah. burn each other out in a month or two yeah um, and again that's just again just a deep sense of tragedy mm. on that of that I can see it so clear in my head and uh, it's just and, then, and I'm smart enough to do the math and know
0: I'm not going to get there so maybe for but men and this is comedy and tragedy I don't know like we have to, do we have to accept that we have kind of a broken product? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like to so a certain like uh, to so, a certain right. level. Um, and that whole Mars Venus thing, like fuck. As much as I hate that book, and that guy's been married four times before he wrote it, or whatever. Like, there's something to that.
1: Yeah, it's not a hundred percent true, but if it's not.
0: Yeah, like all that stuff. The it's raising, a good amount, if it, analogy.
1: If it gets ragingly popular. Yeah. There's a good chance there's something. There's a in seed there of truth that in someone is playing with, yeah, yeah. and it may be again maybe complete fantasy, and it may not, you know, but but the core, the seed of that desire is strong enough that it sucks people in. Yeah. And there's there's enough of a seed in that male difference thing to catch people and have that. Oh yeah, that's that's really what I want.
0: Yeah. Uh, but is it? <laughs> I don't
2: know because I'll never get there. <laughs> I
0: think
2: so. I think it's just that it's that beach ball analogy again. Is that we, we want to let that thing go? You know, we want to be known, but we also want to know. Yeah. You know, it's not for me. It's not just simply enough to just completely expose myself. Right. It's also to be in a relationship where that other one is exposing themselves as yeah, well.
0: They're vulnerable.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, I have teased out in some, in some relationships I have with, with women. I've, I've started to tease out just a little bit, like you were just saying, Derek, about a little bit of the vulnerability. And then I could see the shields go up. Mm-hmm. And they went back into a, um, Well, have you thought about counseling?
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: I, I am not the person. That's yeah. what they said. And that's how they okay. did. Yeah. And, and yeah. now, just talking about this tonight, I see that that stopped that relationship uh-huh. mm. stopped because I just I want to be in that relationship where I can just be known. Yeah, they tapped out. Yeah, yeah.
1: And you you didn't even yeah, you were right on like. the, right on the edge of a breaking a sweat. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. I have not been challenged. I'm not
0: asking you to fix me. Right. I'm right. asking you to hear right. me. But they are yeah. done,
1: and you watched in their eyes. And, and there's fear. Like, 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 like yeah, this is not going to fucking fear. This kinda. is not going to be what
0: I. Oh, I happened. can
2: tell even. When I've seen them since, it's not the same. Yeah, they're they're too afraid.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then, and see, that's that, what my dad. That wall will never come back
2: down no. again. and that's when my dad. Was. Yeah. Uh, my dad. Every time I would start to express some emotions, my dad was really uncomfortable with it, which I wonder what the hell that was all about. Mm-hmm. But uh, and same with mom, you know. And and they were afraid of my emotions, and they never asked me what they were. Well, you know what that
1: was, it's, don't you? Dare start to bring that back to life in me. That's what your dad was saying. Really? I've completely killed that. Please don't give me hope again Mm -hmm. that that could be be revived. Because that's the worst feeling ever is is that feeling, that moment where you realize the other person's tapping out. Right. And it hurts so much. And that disappointment is so deep, especially if you've really invested a lot of time in it. Yeah. And then you come up with, oh, this is it. This is your limit. And we're not even in the realm of of what I was hoping it was going to be. No, because
2: I mean, even with my wife, I'll, she'll tap out on me. Mm-hmm. Just when I start to, I can tell right away. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll pose a question. Right. And I don't know.
1: And it's hard because I end up being, I do find myself being that for other people. In the hope that they will reciprocate.
2: Yeah, I would agree. I, I think I'm there and, well. uh,
1: and I'm really good at it. I can handle, again, because I'm a marathon runner emotionally. So it doesn't matter what the fuck they. I can, and I've got tools, and I've learned a lot, and I can be that for other people. I can listen to them telling me the most horrible shit, and I can validate their emotions, and I can find the place in their body where that hurts, and I can reach in and start working on that. And then when I ask them to reciprocate, it's not even close. No, nope. exactly. And that's the you know that's the pastor's plight, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. The pastor's plight. What's
1: that? Is the I, I can be, this person of safety and acceptance for you, and oh, you can, yeah. you've got nothing for me. And I was hoping you did. Okay. Yeah. But when I stepped, when I when I was investing this in the hope that. When I finished scratching your Mac I could turn around and eat scratch mine. And you said, "Thanks," and walked yeah. away. Yeah.
0: But as part of this, some I of know
2: th- a lot of guys that have had to, and that had endured that too. Yeah, they're so hungry, they're so starving for that release, hoping that somebody would be there. Yeah. When it do it I, I get in to your hear? church? It ain't your church.
0: I think that some of this, like, is is our you know growing up in that tradition where you're almost expected to fake it. Like, there's a mm-hmm. sort of a. You grow up in a, a social norm.
1: That's what society of is. A bakery. Is
0: but is it is male it Christian? Emotion? Like I don't, I have got no. friends that aren't so Christian that don't have that kind of. Weird I think it's fairly universal. <laughs> male, yeah, yeah, that's true.
1: Masculinity is scary.
0: Yeah.
1: Men do horrible things when they're highly emotional. Like like think about the worst things about white men, and most of it comes down to unregulated emotion.
0: Yeah, right. But I think that Cause life. there's layers to this, I think that the the, the violence that happens in men could be attributed to the fact that that they can't get oh, to yeah. that little boy level and cry. Because I think the most horrible thing for a man to do is publicly weep or sob in front of people and look like he's not in fucking control right you know? And I don't know how cultural that is or the religious tradition we grew up in, but well,
1: that goes down to that base human of uh, fear of if you're not in charge then who is humans can't yeah, handle yeah. that one yeah like wait a minute your daddy if if you don't know what's going on we're fucked yeah right like yeah. like like if
0: you when dad dies yeah. or leaves or or and that's, mom I
1: remember that man. being that as a kid having little moments where my dad it was clear my dad was kind of out of his depth, and that's fucking terrifying. Of like, oh shit, like things are really bad if dad is losing his shit and he doesn't know what to do and he's all freaked out. Yeah, and uh, and and there's no way that you can be there for dad in that moment because you're so busy worried about what that means for you, right? Uh, so that, that's just a that's just physics. That's relational and emotional physics. Yeah. And so that's why society has It's because, uh, and, and it's honestly te- technological advancements is getting to the place where we can kind of give up some of that, because we're not in danger all the time. No. Yeah. I mean, you think where we are right now, geographically, a hundred years ago, you had to worry about getting eaten by bears.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and you go to the graveyard down here, you look like even 100 years ago, most people died in their 50s. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't yeah. make it past yeah. 55.
1: Fucking trees in your house or your house burned down. Yeah, know, like, yeah. Like you or a needed union scuffle. Yeah, and you needed <laughs> that person to be strong yeah. and emotionally distant yeah. and making rational decisions. Um and if they weren't, your whole family might die. Yeah, and so that's why society is the way that it is. That's
0: part of the way the ego set up too. Like I'm not, you know, right? Shitting on the ego. The ego is there. Ego's in control. Keeps things making rational
1: decisions. It's making good pragmatic decisions. It's doing the math. Yeah, Uh, but it
0: also keeps us from getting healthy. Yeah, I think emotionally, because the the ego is really doing a, a bang up job of keeping everybody distant. And going back to the last show, the the whole analogy of gambling addiction, right? Like, part of it is we want to be miserable because that's our social norm. That's homeostasis. There's part of us that's addicted to being this sucks, I want to keep this like this, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And that's reality, too. I don't know. I think that uh, I uh, I get to the place where I can let things out now. I think my wife and I have been married for over 30 years and it, and we've been through a lot of fucking counseling and some of it's been really bad and little the little tiny bits of it that were good were really good mm-hmm. and it helped us you know do you ever communicate feel but I don't think we're I can just share anything with my wife at any time or whatever and I think she'd say the same thing to me do you ever feel like
1: There's kind of some resentment over those moments of hope because I kept you in something that that uh, that gave you hope for something that can't be like that all the time.
0: I don't know. I think that the big thing for me was looking back. I kind of looked at my wife. I had a mommy thing going on with my wife. You know, like she needed to protect me. I definitely have that. Yeah, it's like she needs to be there for me. Yeah, I, like, so. I mean, that's. Why. I don't know. I think the, the more you can grow, because I've had to grow out of that some, where I could just tell my wife, and I've said this to her, and and you know, God bless her for handling it as well as she could, because it was one of those kind of emotional outburst moments, and it has been a few times, especially after my mom actually died, when my mom physically left this earth in 2016. There was a few times where I felt like my wife came in encroaching on my person and I just looked at her and said you're not my mom you're not my mother and then she what were you she took that as well I do the laundry (laughs) you can do your own shit right so what were you really saying what was I really saying um you don't need to take care of me like that emotionally but don't
1: you want that And that's
0: hurtful I did but I saw it as is it was hurting it was it was Stunting my growth, I think it it was breaking. And some of this was the counseling and therapy I've been through is breaking this this bond of codependency. Like we had a horrible codependent relationship for a long time, and I got better as I started, you know, going through therapy and and recovery, getting sober and stuff like that. And I'm not the most sober guy in the world. Like you guys know me, I I, I like a, a little buzz every so often. But with my wife, it wasn't about chemicals or or that kind of thing or addiction. It was just about it was about that emotional security that I seek out in her. And I was getting mad at her for it when it wasn't her that was doing it. It had been set up by me the whole time. Projecting. Because I'm well, I I kind of made her this mother figure. And when she started stepping into that role again, I saw it and said no, Mm -hmm. like. Our relationship isn't that anymore. I remember telling a pastor. But don't you want?
1: Because I can understand the process of separating and peeling apart. Right. But once you've established that and established some healthier boundaries, don't you want to reverse that and try and interweave? Yes.
0: Yeah. But I think that that's what we're experiencing now, which is good. And it's taken years, mm-hmm. but that's some of what we're experiencing now because. That's what I was just saying about this pastor friend of mine. So doing the other podcast over the years, this pastor friend of mine, he's from like South Carolina. And he came up and he flew up and we had coffee and he, you know, meet face to face. We've been talking forever over, the, you know, email and stuff like that. And and that's one of the things that kind of blew his mind. I said that my wife and I are in this, this place in our relationship where it's no longer about the vows and all of that kind of. Christian bullshit, which is right. Which is like you know, the I, I'm the, glued to you. If we ever get divorced, it's a sin to God. And so the only reason we're doing this is for the kids and all this bullshit that people. Hang so on much to.
1: of the Christian marriage is a foundation of obligation. Yeah, which obligation. Is so fucking unsexy. And I think we both There's got to that Nothing place. less attractive yeah, than it is. constantly doing everything out of a sense of obligation. Yeah. Fuck. That's yeah,
0: heavy. Yeah. And when you can let go of that obligation, and that's what I was telling, telling my friend, um, when you can let go of that obligation and just be together because you want to be, mm-hmm. um, we kind of grew up together, my wife and I. We got married we met you know teenagers she was still a teenager when we married I was 20 we were before legal drinking age you know and we're still at it not because of obligation but because we want to be because we set this life up together and it's pretty cool
1: (laughs) I've (laughs) been moving away recently from telling Misha I love her and telling her that I
0: like her oh yeah
1: and that's well I still love her
0: you're right. But
1: there is a certain implied obligation to the word I love you. Yeah. To yeah. the phrase I love you. And saying, I'm here because I like you.
0: Yeah. Because
1: I find you attractive. And there's things about your personality that I can't find other places. Yeah. And I'm here because I want to be, not because I have to be. Uh, and that's way more powerful uh, than that messy ugly obligatory love thing um and and that's started to open things up a lot um uh yeah and I think I think you have to have that foundation of love to start with but if you can start to peel back from that and then to start to approach I like you like I really like you I enjoy spending time with you I want to invest in you as a person um there's things about you that uh, that just make me happy yeah. and I, and I want to nurture those and I want to care for those and I want to make that better and I'm desperately hoping that you like me too mm. uh, not love me but like me
0: but here's here, so I'm curious to know is that part of this exposing that part to you because that's not very likable when you get to that point where you're letting all that shit out
1: yeah, and I think you're hoping that the, that the relational scales start to even out. Or that the person likes you so much uh, that they can learn to like <coughs> that really shitty stuff. Yeah. can yeah. uh, that happens
2: mm-hmm. in
1: relationships where you start... It's fairly easy for me to do in general because I enjoy people's humanity so much and I enjoy their fucked up nature so much. <laughs> so it's easy for me to be genuine and look at someone and that reveals something really ugly and say I like that.
0: Yeah. Because
1: I see myself in that and I uh, see my own pain in that, and uh, and there's a lot of validity in that, and uh, and that's I think what I'm desperate to find too is is someone that that you know where I leave something where I <coughs> reveal something. Ugly, and they go okay. Well, let's take care of that, <coughs> fix it, and uh, and so that I don't have to deal with it anymore. Right. And the hope is, inside of me is, is I don't them, like that. Let's let's, right, tweak let's that. change <laughs> it. Right, and the hope is that they would just <laughs> accept it, yeah. and not not just accept it, but like, wow, that's really beautiful that you're so fucked. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's the dream, right? Yeah. Right.
0: That's Leonard Cohen's. Uh, the light shines through, right? I don't know. It's a the fucking Switchfoot did a song about it too. It's a, I think he wrote like a poem or something. There was a line in one of his songs that the cracks, like the breaks and things, they even had a hashtag and they were doing this. They wrote a song called the When the Light Shines Through. And people would take pictures of like a, a broken fucking statue mm-hmm. and the sunlight coming right, right. through that thing. As a, light shines through, that's, that's where that's where the beauty is. That's where the humanity is. That's like,
1: yeah, and it's really hard to find other yeah. people like that.
0: Yeah,
1: um, and it's really hard to nurture. Uh, and I don't know why I'm like that, but I but I am. I like because you're
0: human, man. Yeah, but I love
1: <laughs> aligning my jagged, rough edges with somebody else's and seeing that they match.
0: Right. Yeah, right. me too. It's one
1: of my favorite
2: things. Well, I wonder too yeah. if the fear of when you start to be known and it, the other person shuts it down, if it isn't the, their fear of being known. And then they become scary. And they become scary. Yeah, they yeah. don't want to look at that. Yeah. you know That's one of the things I, I would love to engage further with my wife is what is... There, in my transparency, that scares you. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's it's pulling something forward that you've killed.
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 And then I got to face that, and yeah. I might not be so safe to exactly. be around when I'm faced with that. Brene Brown so brilliant; like mm-hmm. she would talk about vulnerability. Without vulnerability, there is no intimacy. And even going a step further, she would say there is no creativity without vulnerability. Right. I remember she would talk about being invited into these big corporate things and business meetings and stuff, and and they would say things like, "Just don't talk about the vulnerability." But right. well, we want you to boost up the creative side of our team. And she's like, "Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. that's not yeah. how it works." Yeah, yeah. and uh, and that's a big part of that, man. Is like, because I'll be honest, I've been scared of my wife. Just if I shared this with her. I'm going to get shut down. I'm going to get rejected. I'm going to get, you know, there's going to be a fight the rest of the night and I don't want to fight.
1: And then I have moments with my wife where I start to reveal stuff and she's embracing it. And part of me goes, don't you dare give me hope. Yeah. Mm. Like, how would you... Like, that's, that's cruel mm. for you to give me hope because... The other shoe's just about to fall. And I can't do this again. Right. Where I get my hopes up that you can handle this and then have that moment where you crush me again.
0: Isn't that thought like you're... It, it, for me, I think that's like my ego will jump up and do that. Or I'll get really defensive. I got a lot of emails about, like from the other podcast, like a lot of emails from guys going, I don't know why I get so fucking defensive, you know. And...
2: Because I think for me, I get defensive when I'm the fear of being known. Yeah. Because I don't want to get my hope up.
1: Yeah, yeah. I that, think that's the trigger that, for it. We have disappointment is so
0: yeah. harsh. Yeah. yeah. And so and you just cutting. rise up and try and. Yeah, and, and yeah. Boom, and put yeah. on the armor.
1: And your ego says, no, don't do this again.
0: <laughs> right. Don't
1: do yeah. this. We've been trying this since we were three. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't right. fucking work. Please stop. Yeah. It hurts so much mm-hmm. when they disappoint you. Yeah. Um, yeah,
2: and so... Yeah, well, mine, mine was at six. You Mine was at six, my yeah. moment. You know, I, I really trace that back to six years old, about. What was the story? It was my dad and I were in the backyard, and uh, we were burning some leaves and sticks, and I said, look, Dad, it's like we're burning people. And my dad just went... He didn't go ballistic, but the shame with which his response and I don't remember specifically his look but I just remember the overwhelming Feeling. shame Where would you feel it in your body? My stomach mm. you know still to this day And you know, I've been journaling a lot about it just um, John Elridge in his, one of his later books on um, getting yourself back he talks a lot about those moments and that you've got to visit them
1: Would you is a big ask be willing to do a little bit of body work right now on that? Sure. Okay. So, close your eyes. This is going to be weird on the podcast because it's going to be yeah, a lot of silence for a yeah. 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 Let well, me know. Tell so, Russ, we'll just, just let me drive for a minute. Find that place on your body and let me know when you found
2: it. What do you mean by word hurt, word, word you yeah. feel it?
1: Where in your body do you feel it? Like? My chest and there. my arm. Okay. What color is it? You can take as long
2: as you want. First thought was blue, but as I think it's probably red. What's it smell like? I still smell the smoke <coughs> of the uh, burning the leaves. What, uh, when you push on it, does
1: it move? The pain? The feeling and the oh. in your body does it move in your body? No. Can you picture what it looks like in your head, the shape of it?
2: Just a glob, blob.
1: Can you do a three hundred and sixty degree pan around it?
2: It's just no real shape, but just a just a blob. Is it moving? It's. Uh,
1: Uh, What's the word? Pulsing. If you take one step forward, what does it do?
2: Uh, Kind of a little bit back, but then it comes back. If you take another step
1: forward, what do you do? do?
2: It's like it's taking a step back and then half a step back forward. If you reach out your hand
1: to try and grab it, what happens?
2: I can't. I mean, I can reach out, but I can't grab it. How close to it can you get? Hmm. Seemingly close, but then frustrating because I can't grab it. How close can you get?
1: Does it hurt when you get close to it, or does it just disappear? It just disappears. It kind of just morphs out. Can you tell where it goes in your body? Towards my head, feel. So go find it in your head and do the same thing.
2: What color is it? It's green. What's what's it smelling? Like? It still smells like it smoke.
1: Uh, is it the same shape? Mm-hmm. What does it want that you could get it, give it, so that it could stay in place?
2: it wants to be safe. Can you give it something to make it feel more safe? In my in my in my head, I'm thinking of a, my hands around it, just holding it but not squeezing it. Mm-hmm.
1: Why don't you just hold that for a minute?
2: feels like it's uh, dissipating. In a good like, way or in, in a good way? It's like it's just expanded out. Not expanded out, diluted out. mm mm-hmm. Has it moved again? No, it's not really there now. Okay. It's just... It's not there like it was. It's there like uh, just a mist. All right.
1: uh uh-huh. Take two steps back.
2: Still feels light like lighter.
1: Can you say something that it wants to hear
2: out louder? It's the 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 words I've been saying to myself. It wasn't my fault. Hmm. Does that make anything else
1: come up in your body when you say that?
2: Well, it's a little bit of a tingle.
1: All right, take three steps back and come all the way forward. you can open your eyes when you're ready how was that that's something I've been
2: trying to do it, it works much better with someone else yeah I mean uh, one of the I think I talked about this I was walking the waterfront and I was talking to that six year old boy and I was just glad nobody came up behind me because but that's the thing I wanted that's the thing I keep repeating um, it does feel lighter though even the, doing that. Um, I wanted I wanted my dad to say I mean that's that's interesting. Steve, why why would you say that? You know, just to engage that thought. Mm-hmm. What do you and mean? Think, what's that? What do you mean? Yeah, yeah. I think that has probably been for me one of my um I so enjoy is asking. You know, what do you mean by that? You know, where is that? Because that was something I never got. It's what you're trying to tell yourself. Uh, i spent my whole life trying to please my dad. All you know, this baseball, his dad. And, uh, yeah. As you go back
1: and try and explore that more, there's a pathway that opens up, especially when you can see the color and and feel and smell what it smelled like, and you start to get a texture uh, in your body of what it would feel like in your hands. Uh, it's one of those things that you have to, it's like I explain it like it's a black tattoo, that you gotta go over it over and over and over in the same spot. Uh, and it gets easier until the third time you do it, and then it doesn't get any easier, but you have to do it 10, 15 times more. Uh, and start to work that energy out and then you have to start to follow it in your body because it's going to move and it's going to, it's a giant tangled up ball Mm -hmm. of yarn and as you pull at it it's going to untangle a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. We should do more of this type of stuff. Energy work. You okay Russ?
0: Yeah man. It's good stuff. Should we land the plane? Land it. Closing the uh, closing the shop.
1: I am serious, and don't call me Shirley.
0: Thanks for listening to Punk Theology. Don't forget to subscribe. Like to join us in having more ears hear this punk sound? Please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you may hear this fucking podcast. Punk Theology is the property of Digital Audio Project, a limited liability corporation, who is responsible for its content. Don't chicken out! Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit smoking. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. That's a huge bitch!
1: like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue.